on the block on demand. Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 f- games this year. Okay? Not 10. Two seconds and one. It's 10 wins in a row for the Crunch. It's the biggest upset in the Carrier Dome in more than 30 years as the Orange hold off the defending national champion. They beat Clemson. The Bills make me wanna shout. McCoy in the backfield takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle. He's inside the 10, cuts to the left, into the end zone. Buffalo wins. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. They'll look at the positive side of things once in a while instead of the negative all the time. This is On the Block. Here's X-Men. ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1, ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome. What's happening, Mohawk Valley? It's going down today, huh? You guys heading out this way, coming to the great New York State Fair? Come on! I was over at the fair today, doing the thing, a little video with my uh, partner in crime at Syracuse.com. The lovely Katrina Tulloch, you'll see that, uh, I think, tomorrow, as a matter of fact. We had some wild adventures, including an alligator show. Oh, the alligator show. I'm all about that, big time. So if uh, you're coming to the Great New York State Fair from Utica or any other points in between and around, but you still want to listen to this show, well, there was a time in our history where you were just out of luck, where you just uh, can't do it. Sorry. Well, that is not this time, friends, because you can download the ESPN app on your phone. You can find ESPN Syracuse or ESPN Radio Utica Rome on the ESPN app in the Listen tab, and off you go. Go see the Alligator Show and take us with you while you do it. Get some fried dough, get your sausage sandwich, get on the gondola. Do what your heart's content is. Go see the brown cows that give chocolate milk over in the... What's that? Brown cows do not give chocolate milk is what you're telling me. Fake news. Whatever you do at the fair, wherever you go, please take us with you on the ESPN app. You don't have to be at the fair, by the way, to use it. It's a great way to stay in touch with the show wherever you go and whatever you're doing. Here's how you get in touch with the program today. 437-7644. Brent Axe Media. Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The text line is 2880644. All great ways to get your hot takes a-flowing. On the program today. That's hot. Hotter than that fried dough, baby. So, uh, what are we doing today? Want to talk a little sports? We can do that. Anthony Lima is going to join us here in this hour. He used to be a sports broadcaster right here in central New York. Now, 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland does some television in Cleveland as well. Two main things we will discuss with Mr. Lima today. One is a not-so-serious situation and something I've really been enjoying including the great Bob Wiley's comments yesterday about not having to stretch in World War II and the continuing excellence that has been hard knocks this year. The other is more serious, of course, and I'll get into it momentarily, and that's Urban Meyer and Ohio State and just the giant mess that that was they're in and where they go from here 
did they make the right move? Obviously not. And the fallout from that. Will it be as passionate, as serious, as determined as people are now? Is this something that they're just going to turn the page on once the college football season starts? Or could this be a rare story that sticks and lingers and is with us? You know, there's certain stories, even in this 12-hour news cycle we're in, sometimes it's like 12 minutes how quickly things flip over due to social media, et cetera, et cetera. There are certain stories that still linger and cut through the anthem protest thing, uh, rules changes in the National Football League that continue to be discussed. Some of these things kind of grab you and stick around. You know, And I'm just sticking with football for now. I can do it in other sports. But the CTE issue and things like that, like they have shelf life. And they update and they're continuing topics of discussion. I think this Urban Meyer thing is not going away as much as Ohio State wants it to. We'll do some hot takes later. We got into this briefly on the show yesterday because it became official during the show yesterday, but Tiger versus Phil, Thanksgiving weekend. Oh, come on, man. Just when you thought Thanksgiving weekend couldn't get any better, now we got Tiger and Phil going at it for $10 million. Let's get it. Million dollars. Not quite, Coach, but $10 million is a lot. We got some SU hoops to get into. Jim Beheim was on the Daniel Baldwin show earlier this morning. Hey, if you're out in uh, Skinny Atlas tonight, and even if you're not going to be, you should be because Jim Beheim, head coach, Syracuse basketball, Daniel Baldwin, host of the Daniel Baldwin show, they're going to be doing some celebrity bartending at the Krebs, and it's helping out a great cause. And you can go, when can you say in your life that Jim Beheim served you a beverage, right? The guy is drunk. Go get him, man. And help out a great cause in Skinny Atlas tonight. All right. We got to dig into this Urban Meyer thing because what a mess. What a mess. Well, as a head coach, you're ultimately responsible for everybody's behavior. And that's a very difficult thing to do. We all know that. Um, however, there were red flags. And uh, I wish I had known. I wish I did a better job of finding things out or I wish I was told more things. Uh, but ultimately, and that's part of the job, that uh, you're ultimately responsible to represent this incredible university. And, um, and uh, I, I wish I had done more. I wish I had known more. Urban Meyer, and to be fair, most of us put in this position would look like we wanted to be anywhere else in the world but in that position. Looked like he wanted to be anywhere else in the world than last night. Dealing with the fallout of this, dealing with the suspension, dealing with the public details that we now know about keeping a coach on staff he clearly shouldn't have. The fact that Urban Meyer still had his position as the head coach of the Ohio State football team to me is not a surprise. I have said all along on these airwaves, I was doing national radio Sunday morning, I said he's going to get two to four games. I went back and forth between two or four. I kind of fell in that window. He got three. I wasn't proud of that prediction because it should be more, but that was what I felt Ohio State would do. Given Urban Meyer's track record prior to this, the fact that he wins, the passion of the fan base, how the board of trustees and everybody, and I am on the outside looking in, right? I am on the outside looking in, but knew enough and have, read these scenarios enough before, not this one specifically, but you can read the tea leaves on these things enough. I said, he'll get two to four games. There's no way they're firing Urban Meyer. You know, on the other hand, DJ Durkin, we have not heard the details on that investigation and what's happening there. He's not coaching another day at Maryland. And I'll stick by that prediction. And if I'm wrong, they're wrong because he shouldn't. 
So the press conference itself was awkward. The press conference itself was a disaster. The press conference itself, well, I will give Ohio State credit for doing it. Sometimes in these situations, they just hand you a press release and say, get on out of here. And the reason that some other schools don't do these things is because of what can happen last night. The worst part about this was when Urban Meyer was asked, and you'll hear the audio of it, what he would say to Courtney Smith, the wife of now-fired Ohio State assistant coach Zach Smith. What message do you have for Courtney Smith? Well, I have a message for everyone involved in this. I'm sorry that we're in this situation. And... uh... I'm just sorry we're in this situation. Good Lord. Can you be any more tone deaf than that? By the way, Courtney Smith's name didn't even come up in that press conference until a reporter put it on the table. The reason every one of those people were sitting up there, her name does not come up. An apology was not said. She, It's like she didn't exist. And she and Brett McMurphy and a few other re- names that we can mention here are the reason this came to light. Which, let me just briefly aside here, had Brett McMurphy not done the great work that a journalist should do, every statement on the record, receipts, text messages, documents, real, true, capital J journalism here, then Zach Smith still coaching at Ohio State. Had Heather Dinich and other reporters at ESPN not look deeper into what happened at Maryland after a kid died, and they kind of just tried to brush past that, DJ Durkin is still coaching and that environment and what dozens, I shouldn't say dozens, about a dozen, pardon me, sources in that story, some of them anonymous, which they have a right to be, considering that if they speak on the record, they can be threatened. That environment would still be taking place there. And the fact that Jordan McNair passed away, nobody seemed to give a bleep about it would still be the case. So hooray journalism, despite what the president of the United States stands up there and says daily about fake news. It's real news, and it matters, right? How can Urban Meyer say that when put in that spot? You know, let me, let me do this for you, Urban, okay? What message do you have for Courtney Smith? My message for Courtney Smith is, I'm sorry. I failed you. I kept a coach on my staff I shouldn't have. And to Urban Meyer's credit, he did say he was more loyal to Earl Bruce Zach Smith being his grandson and felt more loyalty to that than a a woman in Courtney Smith and the story that she told and what she went through. So I will give him a smidge of credit for admitting as much. But what you say is, I'm sorry I failed you. I'm sorry I didn't do more for you. I'm sorry when my wife told me that she was concerned for you. This is a quote from Shelley Meyer. I am worried about Zach's response. He drinks a lot, and I'm just not sure how stable he will be. Afraid he will do something dangerous. It's obvious he has anger and rage issues. When you get that statement from your wife, and you don't even respond to it, and you do nothing about it, I failed you, and I'm sorry. I didn't protect you. I protected a guy's grandson out of some sort of disjointed loyalty. I'm sorry. And oh, by the way, here's a $50,000 donation to a local women's shelter to help people in your situation. That's what you do. Urban Meyer is a football coach. And see, this is why we, and by we, I mean the media, I mean the fans, I mean anybody you want to put under that umbrella, have got to stop putting these coaches on these pedestals. 
and putting our, our why do we always say this on this show? Love your life and like your sports. Do not attach your happiness to sports and coaches and people in the sports world because they will let you down. And I hate to say that because I do love sports. There's a lot of great people and a lot of great stories in sports, and we talk about those too. But keep it at arm's length. Urban Meyer walks out of that press conference last night, and uh, thankfully a small number of people, but there's people applauding him. There's people saying, Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer. Are you freaking kidding me? Your love for Saturdays and college football and this man who just stood up there and admitted he lied to you and did all these disgusting things, some of which I haven't even mentioned, just kind of bounces off you and you're cheering for the guy? When Urban Meyer was informed of Brett McMurphy's story, do you know what his response was, as we now know from this 23-page report, which, by the way, wasn't even given to the media until after the press conference because they told it was too long and complicated to go through before the press conference? It was 23 pages. Okay, journalists are trained at this. They're good at this. They can take a 23-page statement and at least find something to ask about. But what we now know from this investigation is when Brett McMurphy's story came up, Urban response was to get together with his director of football operations and figure out how to delete old text messages, how to put the settings on his phone so the text messages older than a year would be deleted. That was his inclination. Not, we got a problem here. Not, I have a coach on my staff I shouldn't have on my staff. It was cover your ass. That was his inclination. This man who stands up there and preaches integrity and all these things that these coaches pretend they teach these football players when the truth of the matter is they're just bringing them in to win football games, which, again, I think we all understand. But don't be over here on the other end saying you're molding the lives of young men and teaching integrity and all this stuff, and behind the scenes, we know what you're doing. He instructed his coaching staff not to discuss, quote, Zach's issues, which implies you knew he had issues, which, by the way, you didn't tell your athletic director about when you hired him in 2009. It goes on and on. What happened, and more importantly, what did not happen. And then in that statement, remember, he goes to Big Ten Media Day. He lies to you. Not the media. He lied to you. He lied to the public. He lied to his fans. When asked about why Zach Smith had been fired, what his status was, what was happening there. In that statement, and I'm going to read this to you here, okay? We also learned during the investigation that Coach Meyer has sometimes had significant memory issues in other situations where he had prior extensive knowledge of events. He has also periodically taken medicine that can negatively impair his memory, concentration, and focus. That's from Ohio State, from that report, where they also said, and I've never heard this one before, I love the creative language that comes out of these things. It's incredible. As for Meyer's comments at Big Ten Media Day, quote, while those denials were plainly not accurate, Coach Meyer did not, in our view, deliberately lie. No, he did. He lied. And don't tell me it's because his medicine has him forget things sometimes. I mean, just the BS coming from that last night is not surprising. 
But ultimately, we knew they'd find a way to keep him there. There were some apologies. There were some sorries. There were some admissions. But all in all, a tone-deaf disaster from Ohio State last night. But again, I asked the question, how much will it matter? Because they'll come back after three games. You know, somebody pointed this out on Twitter, and it's an, it's an interesting note. Q Zone says, Brent, next week, college game day, is it Michigan? Can you imagine the signs? Urban liar chants will fill the stadiums this fall. See, that's where this will linger. Ohio State opponents, they'll see them on the sideline. They'll let them know about it. We've got to count on the smart-ass college kids out there and their signs to shame this person to the way it should be. Well, he's not going to get paid during his suspension. He can coach his team during the week. He just can't be there for game day, and he still has his job, which I wasn't calling for him to be fired, but when this came out and how it came out, like the president of the university should have stood up at that press conference and said, you know what, I need to step in here. I need to amend what we just agreed to 10 minutes ago. I'm sorry we're in this situation. Now, listen, I, I'm sorry that's your response. Let's make it six games. The God worship, the putting him on the pedestal, the making excuses, his medicine makes him forget things. Oh, so you're okay with somebody who has memory lapses running your entire football operation. These coaches that seem to remember you know, what they ran on third and goal five years ago in the Michigan game can't remember how to talk to the public about somebody they fired a week ago? How dumb do you think we are? How gullible and dumb do you think we are? It's incredible. It, it It's just incredible. Is it surprising? Absolutely not. It's just incredible. I'm not even going to read you the statement that Zach Smith's lawyer put out and some of the other disgusting things that are out there. You can, you know, the, the Internet's there to find this stuff for you. What will result of it, though? What's the long-term effect of it? Urban Meyer will come back, he'll coach, and he'll preach a lot of the same things he preached before as if this never happened. And on to the next scandal because we know it's not going to end here. Well, let's get a perspective from Ohio. I want to know what the fans out there are saying. What's the percentage of fans defending this versus the, the percentage of the fans that recognize what a black eye this is? And we'll lighten the mood a little bit because if we're getting our buddy Anthony Lima on, who covers the Cleveland Browns closely, well, we've got to talk about hard knocks and the Cleveland Browns. So we'll do that next. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Boy, I better quit while we're ahead on that 80s bump because it is killing it today. Heard this today at the uh, Great New York State Fair at the Pizza Free. How do you not do your groove thing in line for Pizza Free when one of the greatest 80s songs of all time is rocking out? Welcome back. Yes, now you've got the visual in your head of me dancing in line at the Pizza Free. Maybe it'll make our video tomorrow that uh, my partner in crime, Katrina Tullock, and I were making over at the Great New York State Fair tomorrow. You just have to find out. Uh, speaking of tomorrow and speaking of Syracuse.com, boy, you know, I as much as I stamp my feet on this and protest having to do this and beg, borrow, plead, and do everything possible with the great Jason Murray over at Syracuse.com to get out of this. Our predictions are due. 
So it's time to officially go on the record, right? So I don't have to make this official until tomorrow when it will be submitted and you will see it on Syracuse.com next week. Because next week's game week. We're like a week away here, kids. We are knocking on the door. Tomorrow will be a week away from the start of the season. You know it because the fair is starting. And you notice those last few nights that you keep the windows open and you're like, whoa, it, it's cold. Like you're legitimately cold. Like I got to close the window. Whereas if you keep the windows open for most of the summer, like it can be humid and sticky. And it's like, do I turn the fan on? Do I not turn the fan on? Last night, you didn't turn the fan on. Like, whoa, it's cold out there. And you're like, have we got all the back to school supplies? Thinking about school coming up. You can tell the kids know. They're like, oh, hey, <laughs> summer's like, <laughs> why are you talking about school? Right? Because you know what that means, kids? That means football. Football, 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 football. That's what that means. That biting cold air that was out there last night. That was football saying, here we are. We're here. Getting there, baby. So, yeah, it's prediction time. And I've been asked in other places. It's one of these things I get asked a lot. You know, Wegmans, other places. Got asked at the fair a couple times today. Hey, what's the record? What do you think, right? Six and six kind of has been the standard answer I've given when asked this question about this football team in other years. I believe that was my record prediction last year and the year before that. And I believe I've predicted this team to go 6-6 six and six a lot in recent years. So I don't want to just go with the standard 6-6. Six and 5-7 six. and seven is entirely possible. I don't think they're going to go 4-8 and eight again. I will say that. I don't quite feel 7-5 and five is within reach. So it's really going to either be 5-7 and seven or 6-6. Six and six. So let's painstakingly go through this together. Help me out here. I, I want to put a record out there that isn't just gloss over the page, oh, another 6-6. Six and six. Like, I can go the other way. I can be a real jerk and go 3-9, and nine, but I don't believe that. Yes, they went 4-8 and eight a year ago, but look, if Dungy stays healthy, if that defense can come around and they cannot fall apart like an, you know, an old donut at the end of the season like they have, there's a lot of ifs here. There's a lot of buts here. There's a lot of woulda, coulda, shouldas here. And we know football seasons don't go that way. But if a couple things go their way this year that haven't the past two years, they were so close in that LSU game, so close against Miami, legit competition that they were competitive with through the fourth quarter. And the schedule is, now there's some tough games on this schedule. It's not a cupcake schedule, but it is nowhere near as tough as it was last year. So would it be crazy for me to think seven and five? I mean, I'm not going to go eight and four. I think we're shooting the moon here. To flip your record around in one season with this personnel in this division you play in in the ACC, as much as I'd love to see it because Syracuse football fans deserve an entertaining winning product like that. Product's been entertaining the past couple of years. They've pulled off some big upsets. They've certainly shown signs 
they're ready to take a step forward. But usually these things happen in year four, not year three, right? So it's not to say Dino and crew can't do it in year three. Thanks, Brent. You're welcome, Coach. But let's go through it here. Let's really dig in here. And I know the go through the schedule thing's not the most entertaining thing in radio, but we're all, we're going through this together. I'm on the record. I'm sharing with you. You're you're getting a look at the process here, right? Trust the process. I'm giving you the process of these predictions that I've got to put on Syracuse.com. Thanks to Jason Murray. Thought you were my friend, but apparently not. I can say that because he's my boy. All right. Look, this Western Michigan game is tricky. Western Michigan has a good quarterback returning from injury, but he's returning from injury. Much like with Dungey, well, how healthy is he? What kind of offense does he have? Well, Western Michigan can run the football. They lost a guy to the NFL, but they've got two good running backs coming back. They are very deep at wide receiver. They brought in Drake Harris from Michigan to be kind of their breakaway threat there. He's a one-year guy. He's kind of, they're hoping he's what Amba Adetawu brought to the table for Syracuse a couple years ago. So they have all the receivers back. They just weren't very productive. They had under 2,000 yards collectively as a unit, and part of that was the quarterback situation. Central Michigan has had a couple offensive line, three actually, three offensive linemen taken in consecutive drafts, which is impressive. They've got a really good center and a good left tackle, so a decent, meaty offensive line. Tim Doust running that defense, and just a reminder, you will hear both Tim Lester and Tim Doust on the block next week. Looking forward to hearing from those gentlemen. Always enjoyed chatting with them, covering them and their time here in Syracuse, and it comes full circle. And just like last year with the Schaefer thing, here we have a former coach who has a decided advantage on at least game planning the opposing quarterback. Tim Lester recruited Eric Dungey. That's got to count for something, even with the different offense he's in. And, you know, it's been a couple of years. I mean, he's got insight into this kid, and that's going to be interesting to see. Starting the year in Kalamazoo, Michigan, opening game in what will be a hostile environment. Those fans are going to pack that place. There's a challenge for Syracuse there. I ultimately think they'll win this game because I don't think Western Michigan's defense, they're like Syracuse replacing all three linebackers, and they were the three most productive linebackers they've ever had there. I don't think that defense can pace with this offense. I think they'll get a – they might force Dungy into a couple turnovers – but I think the Syracuse offense, the pace that it goes, they get so many more possessions, even if you make a couple of mistakes. I think Western Michigan's going to try and grind this out, and they just won't be able to keep pace. So I'm going to, boy, I'll tell you what, they could cover that six. But I got Syracuse there. I've certainly got Syracuse against Wagner. So that's 2-0. and There's been an upset the past two years. Syracuse, Florida State, national television, it's going to be on either ABC or ESPN. Florida State's got DeAndre Francois back. Willie Taggart comes in for Jimbo Fisher. Florida State got decimated by injury last year, namely at their quarterback position. Cam Akers is one of the better running backs in college football. While Syracuse has pulled off that upset against a ranked team two years in a row, to ask them to do it again is a lot. But if you're going to pick a game where there's the potential for upset, Early in the season against a team with a new coach and still kind of finding itself, that could be the game. Syracuse doesn't have the speed to match Florida State, but 
you take some of the elements that beat Clemson last year. I don't know if you're going to knock the starting quarterback out again, but I'm not going to pick that. But it is at least on the table. And then I think Syracuse will handle Connecticut at the Dome the week after that. So that's 3-1. and one. They're not beating Clemson this year. They're just, no, they are not beating Clemson this year. I'd love to be wrong about that because Clemson fans are some of the most obnoxious that we deal with, and some of them that reach out to me, one in particular whose name I'm not going to say, despite the fact he writes me an email once a week during the season, and why a Clemson fan is that obsessed with Syracuse is beyond me. As much as I'd love to see Syracuse go to Death Valley and beat that team, have you seen that defensive line? They're all back. They've got a great quarterback situation. If it's Trevor Lawrence, if it's Kelly Bryant again, I mean, that is one of the deepest, most talented teams you will see in college football at home, not to mention they're really ticked off about that loss last year. So not happening again. So where are we at? Three and two? Now, this is one of those tricky road games. You go to Pitt on October the 6th. There's a bye week after that, and you get two at home, North Carolina, NC State. This is one of those stretches, Pitt, North Carolina, NC State, Wake Forest, where you've got to pick up some wins. And in order for Syracuse to get over that six-win threshold or get to the six-win threshold to get to the bowl game, you got to beat somebody on the road, right? Syracuse traditionally struggles against Pittsburgh, at Pittsburgh. There's always a game on the schedule you don't see coming that they win. There's always a game on the schedule coming you don't see that they lose, right? I'm going to mark Pitt. I'm going to say they win that game. I'm going to go with the win. So now we're 4-2. and two. We're, half, we're already halfway through the season. So now we're in the second half of the season. Two straight home games, Carolina, NC State. Carolina's a mess. Larry Fedora, that offseason that this team has had, now they're going to have their starting quarterback back for this game. There's only one player that will miss. Remember the suspension at Carolina for they were, you know, they were selling their own sneakers, but they were they violated NCAA rules, bunch of suspensions. They'll have their quarterback back. This is a team Syracuse should beat. But feels like the game they're going to slip on the banana peel. This feels like that game where nothing goes right, turnovers happen. You know, Middle Tennessee State is not a good comparison in a way because of the Schaefer factor, but that that WTF home loss, right? Carolina, to me, could be that. You've got to find different paths. So the schedule does not go down a straight line. It weaves. You've got to figure out where it's going to weave. So then for Syracuse to bounce back the next week, and beat NC State, who's got Ryan Finley at quarterback, assuming he's still healthy. Did not make the preseason top 25, but could have. And is still a team that could make some noise this year. While it would not be on the level of beating a Clemson or Virginia Tech, it's a solid home win. And it feels like that could be a game that Syracuse steals, that people don't see coming. They'll probably be an underdog in that game, even at home. So you could lose to Carolina, but then recover and beat NC State. At Wake, Louisville at home, Notre Dame at Yankee Stadium at BC. Closes us out here. 
Provided there's not another hurricane, because it's about the same time of the year. That, remember they went down to Wake Forest a couple of years ago? What, what, what was that, Matthew? And the weather was awful, and nothing went right, and it was just a disaster. And they lost that game. Provided uh, that we don't have any lingering hurricanes here, I think Syracuse, look, Wake is as experienced as we've seen. Clawson's doing a great job recruiting down there. They're not the gimme win that they used to be. John Wolford is gone. Remember, he came in last year and set all kinds of offensive records. So that's a gots-to-win type of game. I think you're, while Wake Forest is a better program, has gotten to some bowl games in recent years, I'm going to mark that down as a win. Louisville feels like a game Syracuse should win, too. Success on Friday nights. I don't think Louisville is anywhere near as good as they have been in recent years. The Lamar Jackson thing, you know, notwithstanding. That's the big thing with Louisville. Then I think you're going to lose two games to close out the season. I don't think Syracuse can beat Notre Dame. While the crowd is going to be interesting, Syracuse traditionally plays well in New York City. Those were Doug Marone teams, I know. But that feels like one of those unique environments where they're going to play their best but probably lose to just a more talented team, like some of the games we saw last year, LSU, Miami, just one of those didn't quite have the horses to do it. And then I think they lose at BC to end the year. I just think that's one of those evenly matched, air quotes, rivalry games. If A.J. Dillon's still healthy and still running people over, we saw last year, there's just certain players Syracuse couldn't stop. And Dillon, to me, fits in that category. If your defense is weak, it's injured, it's licking its wounds like it has been the past couple of years. All right, so I'm talking to myself into 6 and 6 again. I don't have to officially submit it until tomorrow. Maybe I'll swing a little higher. Maybe I'll look at it again and say, "No, I don't like that NC State game. We'll get upset here." I'm somewhere between 5 and 7 and 7 and 5 though, which I feel like we are every year. In the last 2 years they've gone 4 and 8. So, I don't know. Maybe I'll put down 9 and 3 just to be that guy, right? We shall see. We can talk more football coming up. We've got some hoops news to get into. You're on the block. ESPN Radio. We're back after this. Thank you. Bye-bye.